twerking radio we're here in the high-tech studios uh after a failed first attempt at recording this show and we have a very special guest here uh why don't you introduce yourself hey uh it's me dj sammy joe uh sitting here with josh barber that's where we're gonna insert all like the fake crowd cheers in the background ah! the crowd goes crazy uh <laughs> no i was just like oh he's like what you do this week and i was like i was on fire island what'd you do he's like yeah i just flew back from switzerland i did a big party going like across the country like this week but i'll be back next sunday um very well traveled and very amazing dj who's been djing in new york before he was a world famous dj for a long time right tell me tell me about when you got started and how you got started in new york i uh I started around, I guess it was about 98, 99. Um, I, was, uh, I was dating Justin Bond. <laughs> of Kiki and Herb. Was Kiki and Herb happening then? This is, a, this is a little before my time. I moved to New York, not that you asked, in 2002. I mean, I'm from Long Island, but I started DJing in 2003. So all that late 90s stuff is really before my time. I don't know when Kiki and Herb sort of started up. Yeah, they they were doing Kiki and Herb, and, and actually Justin had asked me to play music sort of in before the show, and then in they had an intermission. So I just would go in and play. I had one turntable and one CD player at Flamingo East uh, in the upstairs room, and so I'd just bring a couple of records and some CDs, and I would just kind of do it track-to-track -track style. And then, uh, yeah, that was sort of how I, how I began. I just started playing in lounges and bars and some friends and restaurants and stuff like that. And then it just kind of took off from there. Did you get to know DJ Will and Gant and Lena and those other people that were doing Flamingo East things? I don't know if it was a around that time or maybe before. Were they friends of yours? You just sort of like learned about them and met them being downtown? Yeah, it wasn't uh, when I you know met them and would hang out with them. It was actually it wasn't so much a DJ thing. It was just sort of being in, among the sort of downtown posse of people who worked in clubs or you know drag queens and you know just nightlife personalities we also it was sort of like uh it was kind of one big posse and then there were like sub posses within that one big posse um so i you know it wasn't necessarily hanging out with them every night but it was the kind of thing you'd always see you know someone out at night yeah. uh can i ask you to play a song that you sort of think back to of that time when you were djing for the Legendary Kiki and Herb. Justin's, one of Justin's favorite songs that always reminds me of him is this old uh, song by a friend of his, Pearl Harbor, who uh, he knew in San Francisco. Uh, and it's a song called Fujiyama Mama. It's an old kind of punk rock song.
how perfectly that fit with the that opening song I played, which was just came out like last year, this year. This band from Tennessee, Heavy Cream. It was called Watusi, and that was called uh, Fujiyama Mama by Pearl Harbor. And you are going down to Tennessee this week, right? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, the band uh, Scissor Sisters are playing at uh, Bonnaroo, and so I'm gonna go down. Uh, to see that and then also um, down at Short Mountain Sanctuary I've got a bunch of friends kind of congregating down there for the weekends and then we're going to throw a party there so sort of a, a double whammy a radical fairy double whammy <laughs> yeah that sounds real a lot dirtier than it actually is I think do you identify as a radical fairy uh, yeah I, I yeah definitely I mean I totally uh, sort of uh, agree with their perspective on life and I'm certainly friends with tons of them so yeah I guess I'd, I'd say I'm a radical fairy fill us in for the listeners who don't know I don't I don't actually know that much about radical fairies I know that they're sort of like uh, out there leftist gays who get together in Tennessee once a year beyond that I don't know much about them um it's <clears throat> yeah I mean it's basically uh, at least down in Tennessee in this short mountain sanctuary it's this um, these people who live on the land and it's kind of, I would say, yeah, exactly, like leftist, uh, gay, um, I mean, radical, I guess, especially in today's climate, yes, it, it would con be considered radical, but they're just sort of really liberal gays that like to, you know, live on the land and get together and they sort of share the same worldview. It's very, it's very, um, a very open society, like they, they're very non-judgmental and it's hard to really pin, you know, say it's any one thing or another, but I would just say it's an extremely liberal society of, of gays living together. Is it a commune in Tennessee? I mean, I know a lot of people go down there for the yearly or biannual gatherings, but is there actually like a place that they all live together in Tennessee? Uh, yeah, there's there's a, like a sort of main house where they have, you know, kitchen facilities, and when everyone comes down, they'll cook for everyone, and, um, and people hang out there. But then also people own their own pieces of land and build their own houses or they just camp out but there is like a main sort of house where uh, you, uh, whenever they do a gathering which is like a couple times a year they'll cook there they'll cook three meals a day and you can always kind of go and get coffee or you know hang out and chat in the kitchen or the salon okay have you been to uh what's that have you been to burning man uh no i haven't i i'm a little the whole like Boiling hot sun, dust, no water thing scares me a little bit. <laughs> but the mentality is, is somewhat similar to the radical fury ideology. It's yeah, it's very similar to that. Um, it's just uh, whereas Burning Man uh, is more sort of uh, I'm, I don't want to say it's straight identified, but I guess it is a bit seen as a bit more heterosexual. Whereas the radical fairies are a bit more omnisexual, polysexual, polysexual. Speaking of polysexual. Let's go back to that time with <laughs> you and Justin Bond. I guess no, we should we should really play play another song here. But um, uh, we're gonna get back to more Justin Vivian Bond stories. Sammy asked me uh to play something from when I moved here, uh, which was 2002, and I think in 2001. As I've said in previous radio shows, I had one of these moments, which happen every few years, when something really radically alters or changes your music perspective and. By chance, the Electro Clash movement and what Larry T was doing in Williamsburg, even though I was in Philadelphia at the time, sort of came through and connected to me. And uh, the Scissor Sisters, 
who Sammy Joe has toured the world with and is going to talk more about, put out this 12-inch on a toucher class. A toucher class with this amazing record label. I believe they're not even doing it anymore. They're working in a restaurant. Yeah, I'm, I think they've folded, but I, I don't quote me on that. No, Nisham, um, who was Mona Foot at uh, many downtown parties, including Flamingo East, and now works at the Cock and had performed, has performed and continues to perform with the Ones, said that uh, they have moved on to other pursuits that are not music-related. But anyway, enough about this. A touch of class, Scissor Sisters, their first 12-inch. It was called Electro Bix, and on the B-side was a remix by these guys called Hungry Wives. And my very first gig in New York City was for a friend's birthday, April 1st, 2003. I brought my own two turntables to key bar across the street from the phoenix on 13th street right near sammy joe's house and maybe on i think it was that particular gig because i only dj'd there maybe one or two times this guy came up to me and he said i can't believe you're playing this song i'm in the hungry wives and it was i was was it joe i have no idea who it was it was wedged between like a sean paul like dance hall set it was just such a odd feeling to be playing a song and have somebody come up to you and be like, this is my song. If it, I, I wonder if it was Joe. It Was he super deadpan? Yes. That's Joe. Ugh, I haven't seen Joe in a while. He's a great guy. Well, this is the Hungry Wives remix of Electrobics by Sister Sisters.
You're going to work that body. You're going to be a hottie. Words to live by. Fag. <laughs> He's been working that body. Have you seen his body lately? It's crazy. Uh, I saw them, you know, when you teach it in New York at that concert. I never knew uh, Jake as a go-go dancer. So, but, I, but from hearing stories and people who knew him in New York and stuff, uh, I just always assumed he had a fierce body. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, well, no, when I first met him, because we met at this party called Click and Drag, which was like a cyber fetish night down at this club called Fun back in 2000. It must have been 2001 or so, I think the summer 2001. Um, and he was just this like skinny go-go dancer. Um, and that's how I'm, that's actually where we met. And we just sort of realized we lived on the same block in New York. And so we just started hanging out. And that kind of ended up being my association with the band. Um, and from there, that's when, like a couple years later, is when they asked me to go on the road with them. Did you have a revelation at some point that these guys are really massively talented and destined for stardom? Or it was just like, <laughs> um, or it was just sort of like a crapshoot that they got really big off of their first album? Uh, well, I'm, you know, I, the first thing he ever played for me was Comfortably Numb. And hearing that, I thought, okay, this is this is amazing, like this is fucking great, like it's such a twisted version. And I remember after that, he would play, he was playing me things like Take Your Mama and Laura, you know, and this is in the, like, like right at the heart of like the Electro Clash movement. And I was like, you're going honky tonk? Like I just did not, I didn't understand it. I knew they were good songs, but it actually took me seeing them perform them live to get it and realize that, oh, okay, so, like for them it's about uh, not only is it about making the music but it's performing it and when you see those songs live they just take on this whole other life that makes sense we were talking also i, I dug out the 12 inch that that was on i found it in my record stack and uh i still have the price tag on it from throb records and we sort of started talking about record store influences uh vinyl and the owner of Throb, Aldo Hernandez, who I didn't know personally for a long time. I used to work at an HIV magazine, Pause, doing sort of the news editing uh, and assigning. And I sort of came across Aldo that way. He had been a big act up person in the early, early 90s. And so when I sort of engaged him in a conversation at the store once about that, we sort of connected. And, you know, years later, I saw him at Nowhere Bar. He was still doing Thursday nights there for a very long time. But his music selections, what he was ordering from Europe, uh, 12 inch wise had a strong influence on me at, at that point also yeah aldo was a huge um i would say probably he and johnny dynell were the two biggest dj influences when i started daddy as you re affectionately refer to him <laughs> yeah daddy granddaddy <laughs> how did well i want to know i mean you can keep talking about aldo and your influences but you know when you think sammy joe you think Scissor Sisters, and then I think Johnny Dinell, because you guys have such a close relationship, and I'd love to hear the backstory on that as well. Yeah, we'll get into dishing daddy in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so th um, this song always reminds me of Aldo because I, I actually borrowed the record from him. And Aldo, if you're listening, I think I still have it, so I'll give it back to you anytime uh, the next time we see each other. But uh, this one is uh, Drummer Get Wicked by Chad Jackson. <laughs> Drummer get wicked, 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 drummer
I was gonna mix the 900 number into that, another track that samples that Let Me Clear My Throat song that sampled that. We don't know the original sample, but it does get repetitive after a while, but it's always a crowd pleaser. Uh, and I always think of that Dr. Dre, Ed Lover. Did you ever see when he used to do the, uh, was it Ed Lover? Yeah, Ed Lover was the one who would do the dance and it was very big in the 90s. But anyway, yeah, that was inspired by Aldo. Uh, yeah, he was the one who, uh yeah, he, he of course he was the one who had that record because I mean he had that this amazing that Throb Records was just such a brilliant record store. I mean you could he really just was able to pinpoint the best of the best and pull it in for the shop. Um, and I just remember spending hours going there listening to music and but yeah he was he's, he's I mean he is a great DJ and his taste is sort of really impeccable. He and Johnny, but like like I said before, he and Johnny were really the biggest influences when I was sort of growing up as a DJ. Where were you before New York City? Uh, I grew, lived in the suburbs, just up uh, like 40 minutes outside the city in Westchester. So I was always kind of coming into the city and knew I'd end up, like I always wanted to end up here. So I moved here in 1990, in January 1995. Um, and never looked back. Well, and were you going out when you moved to the city? Were you like, total, tell me, tell me, tell me everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually that's sort of how I ended up knowing uh daddy because i was coming in to go out to jackie 60 which he and chi chi and richard move and um uh, kitty boots were producing on tuesday nights uh down in the meatpacking district <coughs> and my friend was uh chi chi and johnny's assistant so i we would go in and dress up and go every tuesday night and you know have a great time and whatnot and that's how i ended up meeting daddy is through my friend um Kristen, a.k.a. Special K, who was their uh, assistant and then later on eventually gave me her job, so I became Chi-Chi and Johnny's assistant. 
working at the parties doing door or money or something like that. Oh, cool. He's shaking his head yes. For those of you who can. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah Johnny, uh, as you may or may not know, Daddy got started DJing at the Mud Club in New York City a long time ago. The stories he has, and I don't know him as well as obviously Sammy knows him. Uh, he's sort of taken on a mentorship role with Sammy Joe, but we've DJed many parties together and David Barton Jim together, where I will always yeah get and he'll he'll come and do the radio show. He's always happy to come and do anything. He's such a sweetheart, and I'm sure he, much like Aldo, is completely open to sharing music as well. I'm on his private MP3 share email list, um, but. We could talk more stories about this. I don't. I don't want to talk too much and play less music. But I, I was just telling Sammy Joe. I DJed Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights, and uh, I'm kind of like music out. And Sammy said, when people ask him, "Well, we'll just do a we'll do a reenactment." I I'm someone who comes up to you and says, "Sammy, what do you listen to in your spare time? Like when you're home, not DJing." Silence. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel right now. But I, I thought actually, you know, I got. This record, I sometimes when I, even though I moved a year ago and I tried to downsize my vinyl collection, sometimes if there's an album that I love so much from start to finish, I will go back and buy the vinyl, which is just a weird hoarder thing because I don't even listen to the vinyl that much. But um, I did that with this sleeve I just pulled out and showed Sammy. It's the makeup. When I was 15 years old or 16 years old in 1995, 96, I was coming to the city from 40 minutes outside, but I was in Long Island. And I used to go to the cooler, which was probably right next door to where Jackie 60 was happening in the meatpacking district. And, uh, and I would go and see the makeup as, as often as I could because I really, really love them. They'd sort of do like a northern soul throwback. So that's going to be my contribution to the 1995 section of our show. Baby, oh, baby. 
lot of screaming in this song. Sorry, it's, it's part of the whole album, as I said before. This is the last song, but they always kind of close the show with this also. think um, hearing that song again out of context from the album in 1995-96 I was also just really into discordant music I remember I was in Oxford for the summer and I put on we had to take a van to go to this photography lab because I was doing photography and I put on the first Sonic Youth album like the very first self-titled one which is the most discordant noisy thing you could imagine and to like make 12 other people in the van listen to it they just all started like crying they were like turn this off now and put on green day but i, I maybe it was the time or whatever was going on post grunge you know it um it was what i was listening to yeah it sort of reminds me of kind of kind of some of the stuff that i uh i got because i got into real a lot of brit pop in sort of the late 90s when i was first djing because i was playing like you know pulp and saint 18 like saint 18 was a huge um a huge part of my like music library in the in the 90s and i mean it's still there obviously and i actually got to meet um sarah cracknell just last year which blew my mind it was i was literally like shaking <laughs> i was such a nerd tell us about it uh we were doing a show uh, i was it was a scissor sister show in the uk for this tour we're doing in december and they actually got saint Etienne to open up um for them for one of the shows in brighton and uh, unfortunately, actually, they had to cancel the show because of the snow conditions. The, the police were afraid people would, you know, they had to shut the buses down so no one could get to the show, whatever. But luckily, they stuck around, and we all had dinner together, like, in the mess hall. And um, so I got to, like, sit with her and have eat pie together, which was amazing. <laughs> and she's so lovely. She was so cool and exactly how you would sort of think she would be listening to her songs.
eases a spliff from his lyrical lips and smilingly orders, Cease! of it. Two Stan Indian songs back to back. Uh, that was the Andy Weatherall uh, remix of Only Love Can Break Your Heart or a mix in two halves as it was built by the record label. Uh, and before that, Sammy Joe played Sylvie, another St. Etienne track that was years after this one, right? Uh, yeah, that Sylvie was off of Good Humor, which is I think about like 1998, and they were working with the guy who produced, um, who was producing the Cardigans at the time, which you can sort of really hear in that track, I think. Yeah, when you said that before, it clicked in my mind. Uh, 
but we came upon that by talking about uh, the meatpacking district in the mid-90s and how you met the lead singer when you were touring with the Scissor Sisters. I know we mentioned it before, but uh, have you met other famous people or, or what are your global experiences that, that are really sort of like, wow, I can't believe I'm partying with the queen right now? <laughs> I've I've yet to meet the queen the royal queen I guess. <laughs> uh you know it, it's been it has actually it's been crazy like I did end up getting to meet a lot of people that I was in awe of growing up. Um people like, you know, Andy Bell from Erasure, um Susie Sue and uh like I said before Sarah Cracknell I got to so I I I feel really lucky to have met a lot of the people that when I was growing up, were such an important part of you know my music um, collection. Um, of course, like everyone says, like oh, you don't want to meet your idols or whatever, but uh, it still is kind of fun to say that you got to <laughs> you get to meet them. Um, and a lot, you know, a lot of that is just from, you know working with Scissor Sisters. Uh, the, luckily, I mean, or not luckily, but a lot of the people that. Um, Influenced me, also influenced them, and so you'd end up seeing, getting to meet people like at shows backstage and whatnot. Are there people you met like Kylie Minogue or whatever who you were just very like, oh, there's Kylie Minogue, whatevs, like people that like other people would totally like piss themselves for, and you're kind of like, ugh, Elton John, I'm so over you. <laughs> I don't, I don't think uh, it's not like no, it's not like that, but it's like you know, uh, it's like people who live in New York, you know. A lot of times we pass famous people on the street, or you see f famous people out and about, and while you still can be kind of shocked or like, "Oh my God, they're so and so," you know, you never feel like you go, oh, "I've got to like rush up with them with a you know sharpie and a napkin in my hand to like get their autograph." It's never really, I've never really felt like that, but um, but you still kind of get inside your head like, "Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, they're so and so." Do you get like that? you think as a function of having lived in New York City for such a long time and, you know, on the same path as having traveled around with a, you know, best-selling musical group for such a long time? Or you would be like that regardless of where you came from or where you lived? Uh, I think, uh, I, I mean, I think it comes from, part of it is definitely, you know, coming of age in New York. Um, certainly when I was working for uh, Johnny and Chi Chi at Mother, they their attitude was always kind of you know a vip is not someone who's you know on the cover of a magazine like they were sort of more about you know the legends of downtown um they didn't really give a shit about you know quote unquote celebrities um so i think they kind of taught me that you know every, you know you don't really need to just because someone's a celebrity they don't you don't have to treat them differently i guess so do you have any really outrageous stories about like Michael Stipe peeing on you or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, doesn't, I, everyone I, have, doesn't everyone have that story? <laughs> I think, you know, Scotty, the door guy at Eastern Block, I do a party there on Wednesdays. He worked at The World, which goes back to like the 80s. He's seen everybody. And I think I mentioned, you know, he'll say, oh, this person and that. He, he saw Susie Sue or wherever, like in, you know, the middle of Texas and like, 81 or something, Robert Plant came up to the world and was just super cool. I think he said more, it's how the people leave an impression on you more than what they've accomplished in their career. Unless it's like Oprah or somebody. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, it's, 
it's a. Uh, I don't. Really, yeah, I guess I don't really have any like crazy, crazy celebrity st- story. Boo! Then tell us an embarrassing story about Justin Vivian Bond. I can tell you a story. I bet you could. I don't know Justin very well. She's always been very gracious. She's come out to my parties, mostly with you. But I also was at the Metropolitan Sunday Barbecue a few years back, sitting on her lap, his lap. I don't even know which pronouns to use. Sorry, trans community. Um, And someone was like, oh, you guys should make out. I was like, okay. Totally made out. Maybe that happens every day to (laughs) Justin Bond. I'm just going to say the full name because I don't want to say him or her. I, well, that's how we actually met, is we used to uh, go to Squeezebox, which was Mistress Formica's party at Don Hills back in the 90s, and we would just start making out. And somehow that led to us actually going out on a date, and then we were together for about nine years. What does that mean, we just started making out? Like, it just happened, or it was, um, you know, aided by other substances besides alcohol? Actually, no, I think it was just alcohol. It was alcohol and a lollipop because I remember she was sucking on a lollipop. And I think I might have even said like, oh, wow, that like that lollipop looks good. And she just popped it out of her mouth and then just grabbed the back of my head and laid a nice big old tonguey kiss on me. And it was a uh, and it was love at first tongue. <laughs> Sammy Joe pickup lines 101. Now, now you know how to do it if you're if you're if you are in the market for that. Are you dating anybody now? No. Hopelessly single right now. Does traveling around the world sort of uh, hinder that? Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, it does actually because uh, lately uh, I've been traveling a lot so it's sort of hard to make time to sort of meet new people when you just get to some place and you want to see your old friends. So it's hard enough keeping in touch with your f- real friends and then trying to meet new people on top of that and make time for that it's just at least for me i found it kind of difficult um so it's just been uh the single life for me for now but you also live half the year in barcelona correct uh that is correct which is maybe the most major thing of all time ever people come up to me and they say oh it must be such a hard life you fucking travel and party and dj all the time and i'm like yeah boohoo but then I get really jealous because I'm like, oh, there's Sammy Joe. She's going to Brazil next weekend. She goes back to her apartment in Spain when it starts getting cold in New York uh, and has like a really great rent set up here in the East Village with subletters and, you know, a room. And he has it, he has it made. Uh, we're going we're gonna to play a song because this is turning into just talk radio. But <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to request something that sort of is Spain to you or is Barcelona or is a party that you're doing now there or something that when you move there sort of clicked in your mind. Uh, okay, yeah, this this one is actually one of when I first started going to Barcelona um, to to live. Um, this was uh, like a big track at the time that all, all my friends would go crazy for. Um, sort of a remix of a really cheesy '80s song. It's called uh, "Vamos a la Playa."
<laughs> so that was um oh yeah i had asked sammy joe to play a song that uh was reminiscent of barcelona when he moved there and his time there and then i followed up we're going back to back uh song for song exactly so far um but um i played that utah saints track because uh i came across sammy joe as i was just saying to him during that song at his party at the Parkside Lounge on Houston and B or C in 2002 when I moved here because I knew the Scissor Sisters were performing and he happened to be the DJ as we just put together. Um, but then again, I, I went to Mr. Black, a later incarnation of Mr. Black, and that song was playing, Sammy Joe was playing it on the stage at the 30th Street location. And it really it was just another moment in my mind that sort of came together and I was like, oh, this is so major. This song is so major, and this DJ is so major. And then we actually worked together uh, at Gansevoort Hotel, Garden of Ono, uh, a few summers ago, and that was right as he was getting ready to go to Spain for the summer. So sort of all comes full circle. But tell me, tell me about, unless you want to fill in anything there, tell me about your move to Spain, how that came about, and the Utah Saints Club that you DJed at in Leeds. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's funny hearing that. So I remember playing in Leeds at um, this club that the, the guys from Utah Saints would throw, and it was like in a billiard hall. So it was such a strange setup. Um, Parkside Lounge is also somewhat of a billiard hall, is it not? <laughs> I, I do believe there is a pool table there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those boys, the Utah Saints. And I still keep in touch with um, Jez from Utah Saints, who's super, really lovely. And um, But anyway, so that's my Utah Saints story. Uh, anyway, uh, <coughs> what were we talking about? Spain. Ah, Spain. All right, so, uh, yeah, it was like, uh, I guess, th three years ago or so, I uh, I just got depressed in New York. I just sort of felt like I just wasn't, I wasn't happy with, you know, the the clubs that I got was DJing at. I just felt like just I was over everything, and I wanted out. And two of my friends from Spain basically said to me, why don't you come over here for a couple months, you know, We'll hook you up with jobs, you know, with DJ gigs, and you know, even though you don't speak Spanish, we can, you know, we do, and we'll help you out, and you know, don't worry about, you know, not speaking Spanish. So, I just decided to say fuck it and rent did like a sub rented my place out in New York, and then sublet a place in Spain for three months, and I just completely fell in love with it. And it wasn't even, I think it was in the winter time but i just i i don't know i was desperate for a change and it's so different there in some ways the energy is so much more relaxed it's very laid back and i just it was just the right place at the right time i think and so now i mean i spend about half the year there and you see your time in new york and barcelona as equally vital to your you know well-being your mental health and i know you've said before when we've met up and had lunches that you really miss the energy of new york and it's always sort of like a rejuvenation to come back do you still find that and do you find that for barcelona as well it it's definitely yeah i come back to, I, it made me leaving new york made me fall in love with it again because now i love coming back here and i do now love the energy and the, the the pace of it here um and then it's always great going back to barcelona because then it's sort of like okay things are more laid back there's not it's not just sort of like rush 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 time schedule 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 anything like that it's it's just much more as they say tranquilo um 
so yeah the two kind of it's like a yin and yang for, for me really so i do appreciate both how do the parties compare and how do the boys compare um well okay i have to say this i mean the gene pool in spain in general i don't know what the hell happened but they ended up with probably the hottest men i've seen in europe i think it's it still gags me to this day off the chart and are they do they go crazy that you're like this white american dj are they like totally like we are gonna worship you head to toe they're like we love the american gene pool and we love the dj gene pool no they're kind of like <laughs> they're like who's this skinny bitch in the dj booth they're like oh my god it's justin bond's ex-boyfriend <laughs> exactly yeah, no, they, I, there isn't this sort of like they're not you know in love with the uh, the America Americana, <laughs> um, but that's not to say that you know they're they're rude. They're actually very well. They're just a warm people. They're super friendly, super open. They just you know they love to party. The the parties are so much fun. It's different though because here in New York you have a fierce party on a Sunday, a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, say at Eastern <laughs> Block. Um, and there, it's much more Friday, Saturday. In the summertime, it'll extend to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But it's a much more, it's a more of a weekend vibe there. So it's, ju it's just a different way of, of going out. And so you're DJing there and you're traveling the world, you know, um, when you have these tours and stuff. What are you doing on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Barcelona? Apart from, I know my weekday often involves finding new music, following up on emails, following up with bookings, stuff like that. Is that is that the majority of your time also? Do you make it out to the beach and long four-hour meals with friends till one in the morning? Uh, yeah, I mean, in it, it's kind of the same thing, like you said, where you're just like doing email and listening to music and figuring out what you want to play or making travel plans, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's nice there because in the summertime, you, go to, you, know, you can go to the beach at six o'clock and it's gorgeously sunny until you know eight o'clock eight thirty nine o'clock so you know that you can spend like the end of the day hanging out at the beach with your friends but um but you know a lot of there it's just you know, monday say monday tuesday wednesday nights is like you know dinner with my roommate and his boyfriend or we'll have friends over to our place and cook a there's a lot of there's a lot more sort of group dinners in people's homes there than i would say in new york because there's just people have tend to have more space in their places yeah i was gonna imagine as in most cities, I know when I go to Berlin, it's like, oh yeah, I'm having a dinner party and we could all do cartwheels simultaneously and, you know, still not make it to the other end of the apartment. Yeah, we did, we actually did uh, uh, simultaneous cartwheels. <laughs> yeah, totally. We did a Thanksgiving dinner and invited, a friend of mine works with a bunch of American students. So we had, a, it was 26 people sitting at a table in our living room for Thanksgiving. I mean, it wasn't a straight table. The table sort of like curved like a snake, but yeah. Space there is, uh, you get a lot more space for a lot less money. <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing that in any East Village apartment. Sammy and I both live in the East Village, maybe six blocks away from one another, but I, I couldn't even think of a restaurant to really do that in. I mean, you just don't have space like that. No, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, it is, uh, you forget that you can actually, like normal people, I guess, <laughs> you would say, have, you know, lots of space for their lives. And here we have to sort of fit everything into such s smaller boxes but you know that's how we do it yeah we're gonna get back to music um and i'm gonna challenge you to play more spain oriented tracks that you've been into i know you dj at Razmataz, 
you were DJing at Kiman Foxman and her girlfriend's new party. You could plug all this stuff after the song. I, I mean, I don't know if it's going to end up being more like salsa tinted or it's just straight up like Euro house dance music. Okay, well, here's this one um, is something that's sort of, I guess you could say, is very Barcelona y. Uh, it's called Solid.
Miss Sammy Joe serving you Barcelona. Uh, that track was called Solid. It was a remix. You could find the name of the remix on twerking.com where I'm going to post this track listing. Uh, and uh, we were also talking just now a bit about production work. Sammy Joe doesn't know this, but actually, um, one of the things I really admire about Johnny Dinell, aka Daddy, is not only how long he's been DJing and how great a job he does at being versatile and playing this and that for all the different crowds. But amazingly, he somehow has explained to me that he wakes up, gets all his email and music searching done in the morning, and then can devote an entire afternoon to music production. Uh, and I've just sort of begin, begun doing a bit of production on my own and with Jeremy Pelzer, who did another one of these radio shows. And I've asked Daddy about Sammy Joe producing and he's just said to me i know he's so talented and it's like he really needs to get on it and it's like it's not for everybody but i know it's in him so uh sammy just shared with me that he has been doing a bit of producing tell tell the audience more uh well i've been working with dj nita who um if you don't know then you should know uh, aka nita aviance <laughs> uh and um yeah so dj nita and i have been doing remixes um He's uh, we just we, we when uh, last year when Nightwork came out the Scissor Sisters last record we started um, um, working on some of the tracks there and then we also did uh, a remix for Tasty Tim's um, EP the Anthem um, and we just found that we really work well together like it's weird we have different DJ styles and uh, different sort of musical tastes although they certainly our tastes overlap. But uh, it's like we found together when we're in working in his studio in Brooklyn, it just, it's somehow like we fill in each other's gaps, I guess is the best way to say it. Cause like, I don't know. I just, he's super, super easy to work with. And we just always are kind of, kind of on the same wavelength when it comes to doing remix work. But um, yeah, it's just, I mean, hopefully that's, that's kind of going to be the future for me. Um, if I can, uh <coughs> keep going working with him and then you know d also doing stuff on my own do you guys have a a production name when you guys do it together and have you done stuff on your own also i mean i've found working on my own it's been so much harder to just as i said wake up in the morning get everything done that i want to get done and say i'm going to devote the next few hours to working on music i wonder what your experience has been with that uh i, I right now i'm i'm working uh, with Nita, I I still have to kind of learn how to use Logic and Ableton and all that stuff, and I'm a extremely slow learner. <laughs> uh, I have horrible ADD. No, <laughs> uh, I mean I guess I I you know would like to be able to do stuff on my own, of course, but I I sort of more prefer working with other people. I find that I I feel like I'm at my best when I'm with someone bouncing ideas off of, and what inspires me is 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 you know feeding off of other people's ideas and th that whole exchange rather than just like sitting alone in my room like looking at my computer i i'd, I'd much rather be working with someone else yeah i i agree 100 percent. i just find it hard in my life which is mostly in new york city to find the time to do that and meet up with somebody i, I can't imagine how you apart from really uh spending a lot of time on scheduling could do that also it just seems I also feel very ADD. Maybe that's a function of playing 
four to six minute songs back to back for most of your life. But I, I find it very hard to find a chunk of time to devote to doing that. Yeah, I mean, that is, it is difficult between Nita's schedule and my schedule. But, um, but also you kind of find that, you know, even if you can steal a couple hours, there's sometimes you can just come up with some amazing stuff. We've had, there've been times where we've worked for, you know, five hours and kind of come up with meh stuff. And then, you know, we've, we've worked for two hours and had, you know, finished a t an entire track or something like that. So you just, you kind of never really know when it's just when inspiration hits and when you just kind of are on a roll, you just got to go with it. But I mean, I would just say any, any amount of time you can steal to do it, just go for it. Yeah, I'm jealous. No, I'm going to invite you over next time. And it's going to be for a production session, not a radio show. But uh, even though he played the last track, he's going to play a uh, something now, right? Something production-oriented. Well, we did this um, kind of uh, fun, I guess it's more of a mashup. But no, there was, I guess, more to it than that. But uh, I'll just play this Scissor Kylie track that we did that I, that I love. Go for it.
for the flip on that cocaine
the flip on that cocaina. I had a jingle. I'm gonna get all these like sound effects for the show or something. Yeah, you need one that goes, Oh <laughs> We're gonna use that. I'm just gonna cut that out in Ableton Live and it's just gonna be, and here's the Sammy Joe Aw part of the show. Oh No, it's time for us to wrap it up. Uh and um Yeah, we're just gonna remind you where to find us. I mean, Sammy, what part is you doing in New York and coming up uh in mid-June to the end of December 2011. <laughs> <laughs> the whole, <laughs> for every month. <laughs> All right, get your pad and paper out. <laughs> if anyone still uses pad and paper. Uh, well, uh, basically, uh, really for me, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm on Facebook. I've got like a fan page, DJ Sammy Joe. Um, and you can also go to the my a the agency that I use um, for bookings is called Jump DJ, and they have a website jumpdj.com, um, and I sort of keep a calendar of dates, upcoming dates, and stuff on there. Um, and they have a really great website that they just uh, launched, so check that out. I had another question that I just thought of. I'm a little brain dead, but um, Sammy Joe as your DJ name, you know I. I asked DJ Will the same question. You know, I've just tried to go by Sparber because it's kind of like a one-word thing, like share. Um, and I, I, I didn't know what your full name was, how that came about, um, and just talking about your DJ branding and bookings and all that. Uh, so actually, uh, I got uh, it was Daddy who named me Sammy Joe because I got busted making out with Joey Arias backstage at a party called Grey Gardens that was at Irving Plaza in like '95, '96. Was it that same lollipop one-liner thing that happened? I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine from Justin Vivian Bond to Joey Arias, who who has Sammy Joe made out with? It's going to be the top ten on the next episode that we do together. 
Oh God, in my tell-all. Um, yeah, so Daddy is the one who named me because we were walking in, in New York and I had just started working with him and there were all these posters for Texas Justice, which was Heather Locklear was in. We started talking about Dynasty and he was like, oh, he's like, you can't, you know, he's like, your real name, that's no good. He's like, you gotta, he's like, you gotta have a nickname. Everyone's got a nickname. He's like, you're like Sammy Joe on Dynasty. You're going to be trouble. You know, I can tell already from, you know, just because I got busted making out with Joey. But uh, yeah, so then it was Sammy Joe and then everyone started calling me Sammy Joe. And when I started being a DJ, I figured, well, I don't need another name. So I might as well just use that. So what's your birth name? I'll never tell. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, this actually, I'm going to be in uh, D.C. and on Wednesday, and then Baltimore on Thursday with the Scissor Sisters. This might not get posted before <laughs> that, so actually, start with next week. Uh, uh, I think actually, uh, yeah, next week I'm at oh, uh, on the four Tuesday, the 14th, I believe. Um, is a party that Rob Roth, a really amazing graphic artist and video artist, uh, is doing called Night Vision 2. Uh, and if you go to my fan page, you'll find all, out all the details about the time, but it's a party at night. And that should be really a really fierce multimedia event. Then on Thursday, I'm at a place called the Bubble Lounge down in Tribeca, which is just kind of a champagne bar. And it's kind of a kiki there. We just sort of hang out on this. All friends come by and kick back on the sofas and drink free champagne and you know, gossip like girls do. Uh, it's fun. And then, uh, and then on the 17th of June, I'm going to be in Portland. And on the 18th, I'm playing uh, in Seattle at a pre-pride party. Pre-pride party with uh, none other than Raja, the winner of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race this season. Are you a RuPaul's Drag Race fan? Completely, absolutely. The end of every radio show always devolves into a key key about drag race even though it's not on anymore it's not on my mind but yeah it's no it's such great it's such great tv viewing really um yeah i'm, I'm excited for the next one i can't wait for season four to start and see what they're gonna pull out this time yeah, me too. i have nothing else to say except i'm really excited about it <laughs> uh actually on that note i know what we can close this show with um it's a track that i got sent by uh um DJ Tennessee, who's actually, that's another person you need to, you should probably talk to, um, who is an amazing uh, DJ in the East Village and and uh, just a real prominent figure in sort of the, like uh, the whole, I guess, uh, late 80s, 90s, 2000, you know, he was very big at um, around in like the Pyramid Club and things like that. So he's such a, he's a real great guy and he, he's someone you should definitely bring on the show. But he sent me this. Uh, so I think it's a perfect way to end on that RuPaul note. 